Welcome everyone to the podcast Unanswered Questions with Pastor Tim Cole. This is a podcast where we talk about tough theological and Christian living questions sent in by people just like you. Our hope is that listening will strengthen your confidence in God's Word, helping you to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. If you have any questions, please send them to questionsforpastortim at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Unanswered Questions with Pastor Tim Cole. And today the question is, how do we make a difference in our city? The question is uh, rather relevant in view of the election that is looming on our horizon in the immediate future. It's a national election, but there's some election going on at many different levels, state and local and community. And um, because it is close hand to an election, people's expectations are high. Uh, the country expects, for example, if they vote for one candidate, that things will begin to change. Things will begin to happen. And their cities, their states, and their nations will somehow get better. People view political candidates as their saviors, as a way to make a difference in a hurting world, a broken world, a divided world, a polarized nation. And uh, if you speak to someone who's seen a preponderance of elections, say, uh, you know, uh, 20 elections over the years, they will, uh, I think, uh, almost in unison say that people's expectations are way too high for the ballot box. The way to change a city, the way to change people's lives in a community, in a neighborhood, is not through the ballot box. Not say don't vote. No, that is our responsibility. It's a privilege. Other people don't get to vote. And in this uh, Republican form of a democracy, we send representatives to various places of leadership, whether it's to a judge's bench, uh, a mayor's lectern, or the office of the governor, or the office of a senator, or a representative, or in the White House. But what I'd like to suggest here is something for your consideration from the Gospel by Mark, chapter 1. I'd like you to see a portrayal of Jesus and the difference that was made in that city, the city uh, where Peter lived, the city of Capernaum, Capernaum, the city of Nahum, and see what it is that made a difference in that city. It wasn't the ballot box, but there was definite change. And people's lives were improved. And everybody came out much, much better as a result of un some unusual steps that were taken. So let's read the verse, or the verses, the context, and then make some comments. And hopefully these comments will maybe provide a discussion form for you, for you, your family, what you would like to do post-election, rather than simply expecting someone who is elected to office to all of a sudden change the world. I think we're all going to be in a similar position. Whoever is in the White House is not going to make a whole lot of difference to the way people live their lives in this city. Their states of sorrow, of grief, of misery, of debilitation. People's lives don't get better because of the ballot box. So here we go. Mark's Gospel, Chapter 1 and Verse 21. 
they, this is uh, James, or Jacob, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, uh, after they'd been called by Jesus to follow him, did so, and they went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach, which was his normal posture, as was the Apostle Paul. And the people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them, taught him as one who had authority, not as the scribes, that is, not as the legal legal re representatives in their land, the teachers of the law. And just then a man in their synagogue who was um, possessed by an evil spirit, that is, he was demonized, cried out, What do you want to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And he said sternly, Be quiet. Come out of him. The spirit that was evil shook the man, came out of him with a shriek. And so the people were amazed. Uh, they asked each other, What's this? Not only new teaching, but with authority. He even gives orders, commands to spirits who are evil. And they obey him. So right now we have an introduction to the paragraph that I want to read in just a moment. It shows what happens when Jesus comes into a city. Uh, people bound up by evil habits and evil dispositions, evil spirits, are free, are freed up. And the news about him according to verse 28, spread quickly over the whole region. And when they left the synagogue, they went with Jacob and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon and Andrew are brothers. And Jesus uh, enters the house, and he discovers that Simon's mother-in-law, yes, Simon Peter, was married. That is the uh, testimony of the entire Gospels, as well as the epistles, that Peter was married. And his mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. And they naturally told Jesus about her. They'd just seen Jesus operating in the synagogue. And uh, now they want Jesus' influence to come upon her. So he went to her, took her hand, raised her up. And immediately the fever left her, which is unusual, those of you who've had a fever know that it does not leave you immediately. Usually there's a time of rehabilitation and recuperation where you regain your strength slowly. But here it says she immediately uh, got up and began to serve them. That's unusual. She uh, is the first person in the Gospel of Mark to serve anybody. The word serving is never associated with any of Jesus' disciples. It's always with women. And the tense of this particular verb is an imperfect tense. It describes not only what she began to do, but be describes what she did as a rule. She was touched by Jesus. She was healed by Jesus. And in response, it was her disposition to begin to wait on people. We're not told exactly what that is. But other women in the Gospel of Mark are depicted as the same. They serve him. The only man, of course, that's depicted as serving in the Gospel is Jesus. Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. That evening, though, verse 32, after sunset, it's the Sabbath. And as soon as the Sabbath is over with, down about 6 o'clock, 
people now, because they are under the Jewish law, that you cannot walk over a half a mile on the Sabbath. When the sun set, that means it's no longer the Sabbath. It's now the first day of the week, even though it's still in the evening. The people brought to Jesus all the sick and the demonized. The whole town. This is Capernaum. This is the city of Capernaum on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee, a fishing village, a fishing town. The whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He drove out or expelled many demons. But he wouldn't let the demons speak because they knew who he was. What was it that made a difference in Capernaum? What was it that made a difference in this city? The ballot box? No. Was there an election that all of a sudden uh, set people free from a lot of their sadness, their sickness, their misery, their chains? No. What happened? Is that Peter opened his home to Jesus, and then he opened his home to needy people. And it was an open-door policy. It was the presence of Christ in that home that made a difference. And so Jesus transforms a home into a clinic. Jesus' um, presence and his healing power became a palace of mercy. So how did this city experience such a remarkable change? Was there an election? No. What happened is that this home had a door that was open and the city was welcome to come. How inconvenient it may have been to Peter to have all these people gathered at his doorstep. I mean, his mother had just been sick. They'd been taking care of her. Now she's healed. She begins to wait. And instead of people being shooed away to let them go and do what they want to do, the whole town gathers at the door. Jesus welcomes them. Peter's family welcomes them. And Jesus begins a ministry at the door of his home. It's a short passage but it has huge ideas. It's a small paragraph, but it has gigantic uh, ideas to consider for you. You want to make a difference in the world. We all do, don't we? We all want to do something with our life. Really, there's nothing better than meeting someone on a regular basis over a bowl of soup or with a sandwich or at your home and dealing with people one-on-one, one-on-two, and in small groups. You want to make a difference in the year 2021? You want to make a difference this fall and in the fall of the year 2020? Then do what Jesus did. Open your home up. Open the door up to people. To people who are needy. To people who are in bad straits. To people who are bound up with addictions. To people who need help. Who need counsel. Who need encouragement. You'll not see a whole lot of difference made in big groups. There was no stage here. There was no bright lights. This was unpretentious. It was simple. It was down home. It was loving. It was free of pretension. Uh, it was simple. It didn't cost a dime. We didn't have to rent a smoke machine. It was simply in a person's home with an open door with the presence of Christ. You can do the same. You know of people who need help? Invite them over. I realized with COVID-19, there are some considerations that we must think through. And that is true. We want to be COVID cautious and not take advantage of people's lives and risk them getting infected. But when perhaps this is over with 
and COVID has passed and we are back to what is called a normal way of life, you might consider the use of your home, becoming a lighthouse, becoming a palace of mercy, becoming a people who are welcomed on a regular basis, where they feel at home, but also they can share the needs of their lives with you. And your home can become a clinic rather than simply a show place for people to awe and say, wow, what a beautiful home, what a beautiful driveway, what a beautiful set of home, what a manicured lawn. In the sight of God, who cares? What difference does that make to change your world? Nothing. But it seems like that's the standard way for churches and church people is that they go to a big meeting and think that God's going to change the world through that big meeting. It won't. It will do virtually nothing. What we want to do, though, is think about our homes our private homes that we've purchased or rented and use them to deal with people one-on-one, to make friends and develop relationships, to raise our family and to show our kids that life is not about a beautiful home. Life is not about the American dream. Life is not about gathering all of my possessions and material possessions and being wealthy and rich and having what the neighbors have. Life is about relieving the suffering and relieving the misery of people whom God has brought across your path. And at the end of life, When you look back over your shoulder and count the decades, count the years, what will you be able to do? Will you be satisfied? Will you be satisfied with all your toys? I think not. But you can be, look back at the legacy that you may have left of pouring your life into people. And it all begins with your hand on that doorknob, opening up and welcome people in. That's the first step. That's the step Jesus took, that Peter took, and it worked in the whole town was changed, healed, freed from the misery of bondage, of sickness, of debilitating diseases. What a difference it made when one man and a family opened up a door. And I tell you what, Peter's mom-in-law, she sure came in handy being strengthened. She could take care of those people as well as the rest of the family. Think about that. Talk about it with your family. Pray about it. You want to make a difference in your life? Sure you do. This is a way that Jesus says you can make a verifiable, empirical difference in people's lives. It's a great thing to think about at the end of your life, of the people's lives that you've touched individually, one-on-one, one-on-two, and one-on-three. They'll never forget you. Thanks for listening. Appreciate you tuning in for this, another episode of Unanswered Questions. Thank you for joining us this episode and remember to send all your questions to questions for pastor Tim at gmail.com.